And now, I'd like to show my love by making for you a Quebec pizza. What's that? Pop tart with the ketchup. She's good. Daniel Parmac, San Antonio, Texas. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. Ba-la-la-la. It's showtime. This is Old School at the Movies, episode 181 for December 2019. Old School at the Movies is brought to you by the brand new TrendingTopicsNetwork.com. Check out some brand new shows or great shows like Wrestling Cheers, The Spanish Announce Table, and All Beer Inside. Welcome back to Old School at the Movies. I'm your host, Mr. Old School. Before I get to the panel this week, let's get into the contact information. Oldschoolmovies.net is so we can listen, download, and subscribe to the podcast. If you want to get in touch with us directly, oldschoolmovies2 at gmail.com. You can tweet us at oldmovies.net. That's oldmovies, D-O-T-net, hashtag O-S-A-T-M. Our panelists this week, Justin. How you doing? Happy 2020, everybody. <laughs> I know we're in February right now, but it's great to finally get this episode out. It would be fucking hilarious is if I am that delinquent and that was the actual date that it was released. That would... Uh, now you're challenging me, and I'm I'm up for the challenge. Oh yeah, let's let's just throw this out. I, I kind of I had faith in you last episode <laughs> that you were going to put it out fairly quick, and I didn't want to reveal a little bit too early that I was going to be proposing on Halloween. But <laughs> that episode came out in December. Hey, congratulations! De- December. Congratulations, man. That's great. Thank you. All right. Maybe uh. You and uh, Carp will get invited. Hey. I'd, Maybe uh, you won't get a speeding ticket in Buffalo. Oh, man. Shots fired early. I mean, it's, it's what, three seconds into the podcast and you're already throwing that ticket on my way, man. That's not cool, man. It's mean. Well, it's almost two years ago. And by Oh, yeah, it is. And I'm still. Two and a half years ago by the time this comes out, but still. And, you know, team. funny, talking about that speeding ticket, uh, one of our friends, Scruff, had mentioned that there's a Reddit where like people can put their kind of like quarrels up and then you can decide who is I forget what it's called like something douche or something uh, Phil might know uh Phil here it's called am I the asshole am I the asshole okay yeah so we're going to put our whole t- <laughs> ticket deliberation thing up and I'm curious not that I want to rehash anything but uh cuz the ticket's already long paid uh speaking of guys who'll be striving through the state of New York we have Carp on the show this week. I've driven through the state of New York uh, by the time this comes out about seven and a half months ago. So, <laughs> Yeah, did you get caught in a snowstorm watching the Packers? Uh, I got caught in the snowstorm on the Monday coming home after the fantastic Packers win, where I believe there was more Packers fans than Giants fans. Does that happen a lot with Green Bay? Uh, yeah, Packers fans will travel as long as the other team they're playing kind of is not having a great season like Cleveland did not have a great season two years ago, and the Giants are having a less than spectacular season this year. Oh, okay. That's cool. Uh, fun fact, people like front-running teams, and the Packers, much like the Steelers, are like two franchises that, you know, they win a lot, so people back them. Yeah, it makes sense. Like uh, the I've been a fan since Favre, and I went through the bad years, too. So Like the Canadians 25 years ago. And oh. this year. Oh, Favre, what a, what a really rough season. Seasons. <laughs> 
All right, let's get but, into. Well, go ahead. Yeah, no. Uh, so Phil was right. It's am I the asshole? So uh, yeah, let's get into the news for this week. I'm Bruce Nolan for Eyewitness News. Back to you, fuckers. Let's start with some news about Ghostbusters, and you know, a couple of years ago, that all female version got released, and uh, although I thought it was pretty good myself, I mean, it, you know, it wasn't that great, but I don't think it was warranting all the like the backlash that came online. I'm just trying to remember, but it, it was I know it was like really negatively viewed. Um, and you know, it was very anti, anti male and stuff like that, but I, I thought it was okay. Anyways, speaking of Ghostbusters, uh, there's a new version that's coming out with some of the, most of the old cast. I think pretty much everybody who's alive. I'm surprised that Bill Murray's on board because he apparently did not want to do a third one. So I don't know what the story about getting him in is, but. All right, let's read the article. Next year's Jason Reitman directed sequel to the original Ghostbusters, officially titled Ghostbusters Afterlife. We've learned that the trailer arrives probably after I edit, edit this. I'm gonna. It's probably Six already. Ago. Yeah, it's very much going to be available as of recording December the eighth. It'll be released the next day. So I'm guessing once you listen to this, uh, it'll definitely be released. Okay. In the meantime, Vanity Fair shares a gallery of first look images. So uh, I'll post the article on the show notes for this episode. I mean, you could just Google it if you want. But uh, yeah, uh, Reitman explains to Vanity Fair, Trevor uh, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. Um, I got to interrupt you. It's Reitman. Oh, I was, go- was going to let him go. I was going to let him go the whole time. Oh, okay. And then okay. I was going to ask, do you know who Jason Reitman is? He's familiar? He's the son of the original Ivan Reitman, and he also appears in Ghostbusters 2. Fun Mm. fact. As a kid. Oh, that's cool. It'd be really weird if he appeared as an adult. Yeah, I know. Maybe he traveled back in time. Maybe he traveled back in time. Mandela effect. Reitman explained to Vanity Fair, Trevor Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things and Phoebe McKenna Grace are about to find out who their grandfather was and whether they're ready to pick up the proton packs themselves. It would seem, based on the info and images, that the characters at the center of the film are the family of Egon Spengler, played in the original classics by the late Harold Ramis. We'll know much more on Monday the 9th. For now, check out the images below. So yeah, a bunch of uh, cool images. And confirmed returning are Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and Annie Potts. And Paul Rudd's also in this. So that's, I don't know what who Paul Rudd plays. Maybe the dad of Finn Wolfhard? I mean, it's possible. Well, yeah. We don't know yet. Yeah. Any news on uh, how they got Murray to return? For the Ghostbusters to do anything, like for that franchise to move forward, he actually has a a say-so. Oh. So he was he was part of, like, obviously getting this to become a movie. And, I mean, if he, if he was going to do the part in an all-girls one, then he's going to do this one. I don't think they're going to be the main, main focus. You're going to have a lot more focus on the younger kids and potentially making this into a newer franchise. But I think you have to have had that old school tie in and not just like a cameo, like they did with the other one. I thought that was, that was the thing I found really stupid. You have to tie into the old cast to progress with this new cast and move but, on and transition. But what I'm saying is they won't be the focus. It's Agreed. Like the, yeah. No, yeah. The kids sense. are going to be the focus. Paul Rudd might even be, be a little bit of the, the focus too. Right. Because it almost seems like we are go- they're going to build this into a, a, a franchise because that's what they've been wanting to do ever since, you know, the, the full female Ghostbusters thing. So 
Ghostbusters really hasn't gone away a hundred percent like it did probably in like you know the nineties and the two thousands. So they're they're trying they're trying their ass off because they know there's a lot a lot of interest in Ghostbusters. There's a lot of nostalgia for everybody for a lot of people. I don't want to say everybody, but for like me, huge Ghostbusters fan. I'm looking forward to this trailer uh, right now. My hopes really aren't really high on it, but I think it's because I know this isn't going to be the Ghostbusters that I grew up on. So I'm very very open to what, what they're going to give me. But I know next summer or by the time you're hearing this, this past summer that <laughs> it's, it's going to be amazing. I think that's a cool outlook being a hardcore fan. You know, a lot of, there's probably going to be a lot of people who don't want this remade. You know, there was talk of maybe back to the future coming back. And I always thought Shia LaBeouf would have been the best Marty McFly before he turned psycho asshole. You know, when he was like the wit wiki kind of thing in transformers, I thought that kind of character would have worked with Marty McFly, but it just seems like, you know, people are remembering these films of rose colored glasses and don't want them remade. I'm actually surprised that you are at least open-minded to the fact that they're going to redo your childhood. No, they're not going to redo my childhood. They're just remaking a movie. My childhood stays. Everything with the original Ghostbusters is still canon. It's still something that happened. The attack on New York by a Stay Puft in that type of universe or in the the original movie, it's something that I will still hold dear no matter, you know, what they make. And I was very accepting of the all-female one. It didn't pan out as well, and there were a lot of really bad bumps in the road getting to that movie being released and, like, some of the stuff in in it. But being that hardcore fan and knowing that Ivan Reitman's son, you know, someone who came out in interviews when when he was originally attached to this project, said, like, I'm the first Ghostbusters fan because I grew up with it before the movie was released. So I got to see Slime, like, what they were doing with Slimer and what they were doing with Stay Puft. So, like, I fell in love with it before anybody, and I want to make a a movie that, like, us fans will love. Now, that could be a check that is going to be very hard to cash for a lot of fans. But for me... This is a guy that's going to know a little bit more than any other director. So I'm 100% for this. And there's been nothing that they've done that, that so far that has sounded bad. Everything they've done, I'm like, all right, that's understandable. I understand where they come from. The only thing that I'm going to want from this movie, and I think then it's going to be a very, very hard thing to do, and that is give me an uncredited cameo from Rick Moranis. That's all I want. <laughs> I'm curious about because I don't know if you've played the video game, the Ghostbuster video game. The no longer canon. The uh, the one on PS3 that came out that was based on the Ghostbusters Go to Hell script. Yes. Yeah. So I wonder if this one actually winks nope. and nods at it, or just completely ignore the fact because that one actually pretty much like it, it's pretty smart about tying a lot of the stuff together. The, the last thing I heard about it, it's going to be no longer canon. There might be some things that they, they might reference to like maybe say, well, this type of thing happened. But far as I understand, like they're kind of throwing that away. And I think it's because it's not directly related to the original movie or even like the, there's the whole canon of the, the cartoon series, which does its own weird spinoff. Like the origins of that cartoon starts with the original movie and then it kind of goes its own way and then you get the extreme ghostbusters after that and i think like all of that because it didn't actually happen in the same medium it's going to be just thrown away which i'm i'm kind of fine with because then there's i think it works for comic books 
but a lot of them, there is reasons why they will not do certain things in the movies. And I think that this is going to be the same way. Like, okay, we're just keeping, keeping it simple for everybody. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah, that not everyone played the game as well. So, but that, that game is badass, and it was re-released. Yeah, it is remastered recently, and it's still well, great. Well, recent, recently for us, two years ago for you. Yeah. So you might be able to find it for like really cheap now. And a bargain bin somewhere. Carp, what do you think the reaction is? I mean, I, I think Heavy... I'm curious if Heavy is going to be the exception to the rule. And I'm curious if online they're going to shit on it because you're playing with people's childhood. You know, well, are the fans going to be I, okay with it? I mean, to me, it's looking like a 31-year-old sequel because the, the storyline is, right now from what I'm reading, when a single mom and her two kids arrive in a small town, they begin to discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. Yeah. This is a sequel. And that's okay. I, I think that's what they should have done originally. Yeah, no, to me, um, like uh, Phil and, and Justin were uh, heavy. I, I'm not calling you Justin. It's weird. Uh <laughs> Heavy was saying, uh, like, based on the video game, that was supposed to be the sequel at one point, that the the video game was going to be the jumping off point to the next movie, originally, to my understanding, and that got kiboshed. Do you know why? And then there was, I uh, no idea. And then there was also rumors about doing East Coast and West Coast Ghostbusters. Yeah, I heard about that, too. And, like, so, uh, Thor was supposed to be in it and shit like that. Well, well I mean, true. Thor yeah. was in the Ghostbusters no, remake. But, I mean, he was supposed to be, like, the actual Ghostbuster and not... Yeah. Yeah, there. If what probably comes down to anything, it's just Sony changing its mind a lot over the past ten years. Like even the road to the Ghostbusters video game was long, and something that it got like a lot of pushbacks uh, and on release date. And when it comes to the other movie, and like I, it's a movie that I really wanted. I wanted them to continue the female Ghostbusters mainly because it was going to be East Coast versus West Coast, and the West Coast was going to have like why can't I think of their names off the top of my head? Uh, Jonah Hill and the other dude from 21 Jump Street. Uh, oh, Channing Tatum? Tatum. Yeah, Channing Tatum. Like those, I think, were supposed to be like two of the two of the main roles, and they were going to do something where the Keymaster or Zul was on the East Coast, and Vince Clortho was going to be on the West Coast, and that's and then then some team up movie is when Gozer was going to happen. But because that first one did so bad, and on top of everything, the original directors for that West Coast movie, which wasn't going to be exactly called Ghostbusters, was going to be the Russos. But the yeah. Russos decided to do an, uh, some independent joint called um, Infinity something or other. It probably didn't make any money or anything. Yeah. Probably going to be a dud. But, you know, that's, I mean, they've, they've been busy. So that kind of got first pushed to the back burner. And then I think they just said, fuck it. Okay. And then they went and did the route that they should have did in the first place is stick to the same storyline yeah. and work from there. Yeah, have well, the hey, old guys hang around. Do their, I, I'm that's the part I want to see in a trailer. Just their yeah. banter. Yeah. Like their iconic style of banter. And then pass the torch to the next generation and let's go. New new Ghostbusters. How do you think it does um financially heavy? I would have to double check the release date and everything, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold prediction and say it's at least going to be a success. And I'm saying okay. it's gonna make positive money. Okay. But when it comes out in the summer is obviously big because uh, that's a minefield. And, you know, you pick one week too soon and you're competing with a really big other blockbuster, like a Marvel movie. And then the next two weeks later, instead, you pick another date and that's going up against a big animated feature. Like it doesn't have the brand recognition anymore as it used to. But 
I think if they're going this direction and they're kind of going, okay, like you, you didn't want the, the female one and you didn't want it to be like its own separate like reboot, like we'll, we'll go back. We'll, we'll have some male in there, but we'll have some female. But at the same time, we'll have it canon. And I would say this is the challenge to the internet. What are you going to complain about now? But it's a challenge. They're going to find something. Well, There's going to be something. something. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that I've already heard is the poster that was released is, quote, too similar to the female Ghostbusters, one of the, their posters with the green clouds and the Ecto-1. It's like, all right, like, calm down. I'm telling you, man, uh, we need a real-life Thanos to fucking snap their fingers and get rid of all these idiots. That's all I got to say. All right. Yeah, but then then the U.S. wouldn't have any pol- politicians left. Let's say. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. All right. <laughs> let's transition on to Tom Holland. Speaking of uh, snapping their fingers, let's transition on Tom Holland. And um, uh, he was recently on Jimmy Kimmel. He was talking about, you know, we, we talked about uh, recently Sony and Disney were kind of freaking out about uh, bringing Spider-Man back. And uh, there was some negotiation back and forth. Finally, they figured it out. And Spider-Man will be back in the MCU. All right, so we're going to play the clip and uh, discuss. Uh, Bob Iger was here. Bob Iger is the CEO of the Disney Disney Corporation. He runs ABC, our network. He runs Marvel. He runs everything, really. Yes. He uh, was telling us a story about... Of course, we most of us who care know that at one time, Sony, which owns the rights to Spider-Man, was pulling Spider-Man out of the Marvel Universe, and it was terrible. And you somehow, right. according to Bob, smoothed that over. Is that correct? Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was entirely my doing. What was your doing? I saved Spider-Man. You did? No, I didn't. <laughs> Uh, we were at D23, which is the big Disney convention, right. and the news had come out, and I, I was obviously devastated. I was really upset, and all my Marvel friends were there, and they were taking, like, Marvel pictures, and I was, like, <laughs> not allowed to be in them. It was awful. Really? And, um, you were excluded from the photographs? Yeah, it did, like, a big... It, yeah, it was, it was oh, not the best wow. day. But anyway, I asked if I could get Bob's email, because I just wanted to say thank you. I just wanted to say this has been an amazing five years of my life. Thank you for changing my life in the best way. And I hope that we can work together in the future. And I got his email. I sent him the email. And then he responded very quickly saying, I'd love to jump on the phone with you at some point. When are you free? And you, you don't give Bob Iger like a schedule. You're like, mm-hmm. whenever, Bob. Mm-hmm. So like two, three days go by. And then my family and I went to the pub quiz in our local like town. Oh, like the night of trivia? Yeah, yeah like we're, okay. doing, we're doing a quiz. Okay. And I'm like three pints in, right? <laughs> haven't eaten much. And I get a phone call from an unknown number, and I have a feeling, I'm like, I think this is Bob Iger. <laughs> but I'm drunk. <laughs> so anyway, so my dad's like, just take the call, you'll be fine. So anyway, so I answer the call, and I'm like, hey, Bob, actually, I'm really glad you called. What was the question? <laughs> when did Snow White come out? Four, 1944? 1944, write that down. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. But I basically just said, thank you for the opportunity. And then he said, there is a world in where we can make this work. And then there was a bunch of phone calls back and forth from Tom Rothman. He was really instrumental in the process. And, and, uh, and it was really interesting for me to have these two like studio heads like, what do you think? Uh-huh, yeah, it was like I don't know, a custody arrangement in a way. <laughs> yeah. But Bob's, I think Bob said you cried on the phone. Is that true? I weeped. You, did you really? No, I didn't weep. I did, yeah. You did a little bit? 
<laughs> yeah. No, I was really emotional uh-huh. because I felt like it was all coming to an end. It was, it was bad news. <laughs> it really was bad news. No, we, I don't know. We had a really good plan with what we were going to do with Sony. The future of Spider-Man was still very bright, uh-huh. um, but it would have been a shame to take him out of the MCU, you know? Right. He's where he belongs, and we've built such a strong character in that world, and it would have been a shame to, to lose that, but I'm just really glad that we managed Boy, I'm really it. glad you got drunk and got on the phone with Bob. And <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if him specifically... You know, he got it going. Maybe he motivated Bob. I don't know. But um, I'm definitely happy it happened. And, like, what would have happened logistically? Would they have had the – could they have had the rights to Tom Holland? Or was that within Disney, within Spider-Man? Like, could, could they have made a deal as if, say, Sony had said, fuck it, we're doing it ourselves? Could they have negotiated or was he, like, unavailable? Do you guys know? Well, I mean, first of all, when it comes down to intellectual property, another company can't use it without getting sued. So Sony owns the IP to Spider-Man. Yeah. So without this negotiation they had for all the Marvel stuff, it would have never happened. We'd still have Spider-Man in the Sony-verse. No, but I mean, they have the the rights to the, the, uh, yeah, the IP, but, like, did Disney have the rights to Tom Holland being Spider-Man? Like, could they have, could could Sony just said, go fuck yourself, we're going to hire him? I don't know what his contract – I don't know who his contract is with. Maybe that's public knowledge. But his contract is mostly uh, I play Spider-Man despite where he is. Okay. Yeah. It I think As we discussed last episode, it just wouldn't have made sense to reboot it unless it was like – unless they just produced like the animated stuff like you said, Carp. And uh, him being with all those other characters just makes sense now. You're taking that away, you'd piss off the fans. Phil, I want to get your thoughts on this like – as we had asked last week, because it wasn't like 100% that this was going to happen. Did you fear or did you have any thoughts maybe Sony was going to really say fuck you and try it by themselves? Uh, no. There was too much money at stake. Because they could have done the way that they ended Far From Home, a Spider-Man and it's like with his own storyline. Like we introduced the Sinister Six and... And figure it out from there, like the whole uh, conspiracy thing going on with J.J. Jameson. But without the appeal of the whole MCU, I don't think it would have made as much money had Sony done their own thing. But now knowing that any Spider-Man movie essentially could have ties with the the MCU, that brings back a lot of fans. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about the long term game, was it the best move? For them now, because oh, sure. like for sure, because then you don't you don't confuse the fans as well with two timelines where oddly enough they're not talking about stuff. Yeah, where but but by like, giving in like originally negotiating mm-hmm. Spider Man in the MCU to be part of the Avengers stuff. Yeah, do you think it was still like the best move for Sony? I know it was the best move for fans. It was a great move for Disney. All this, but do you think it was like Sony would profit more? with him in there than him doing his own thing. I think the magic touch was with Kevin Feige. That's what they got out of the deal. Yeah. Because we saw what happened with, well, Spider-Man, the original Spider-Man with the 40-year-old man, Tobey Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> or as I call him, Jerry Maguire. Last yeah, exactly. Uh, the first one was pretty good. S- second one, I still think is solid, but it just, studio interference from that point on just derailed the third one. And then you saw what happened with the Amazing Spider-Man series, which just never took off. So they didn't have someone 
at Sony that had a solid grasp of understanding who Spider-Man is and how he relates to nerds and comic book fans out there and, and just the general population. Like, who, what makes Spider-Man lovable? And I think Kevin Feige played a huge part in getting that right and getting that the perfect actor and and the, the tone and how he speaks and how he interacts with all these characters. So I think he essentially saved the character in terms of like in, in, in the movie yeah. business, essentially. Let's get into the movie reviews for this week. Here we go. Da, 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 da. start with heavy set you've seen two movies let's start with dr sleep am i the only one that's seen dr sleep yeah uh, yeah. yeah yeah yep wow uh, i don't know I, I, as much as i am a fan of kubrick and the original i really i guess wasn't interested in seeing a sequel for me like this was just not too long ago when i first seen the shining movie that I've, I've heard a lot, a lot about going into it, finally watched it, you know, very long movie and definitely a movie of that particular time still, still holds up somewhat uh, in my opinion. But then you, you have this movie and it is a nice continuation. They kind of tell you this, a little bit of the story from what happened afterwards. They reshoot scenes and the, the actress that they got to play, I'll redo the the female lead. I forget her name off, off the top of my head from The Shining. Uh, Shelley Duvall? Yeah, Shelley Duvall. Holy shit, you would almost think that was actually her. But it, there, I don't think there was anything digital because the dude who played Jack Nicholson's character wasn't necessarily the same. So you could tell like it was just redone. It, just, it was a way better casting for her. I give it a four out of five. But for me, like it is a very long movie. And it, it it's one that like I don't want to say it drags. But it's up until like probably like the last half hour where we finally get back to the hotel. And, but they, they explain more about the shining thing. And there, there's a lot of aspects that I, I really loved about it. And the thing that I always give credit to Stephen King for is like he never went sequel crazy. And, you know, there's a lot of movies he could have made sequels for. But this one, you know, I mean, it's a book. So like they they pull from that. But, you know, I you know, I did enjoy it, but like my only knock, I think what went from five to four was the fact you could tell like how long it dragged. All right. And you have one more uh, that you want to review. It's beautiful day in the neighborhood. I'm actually curious about this because if you give it a good rating. I'm going to see it. You no, know I'm going to give that movie a good rating. I know. I'm uh, just trying to like build it up <laughs> for the reviewers, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm still in like the middle of my Mr. Rogers uh, I don't know what I'll call it, where I'm just, just really, really fascinated by him and trying to pick up as many things as I, I can of him. And there, there's a little bit of a backstory about this movie. It is not a true story. It is, it's based off of the experience and article written by the author, Tom Janode, and he's actually in the documentary, but they don't really tell you that I mean, they tell you his name, and they just tell you he's a writer and it's and a friend of Mr. Rogers, but they never really told you like what he did. And the, the true life story is they get this writer from Esquire who is known of making uh scaling articles from by uh, or about certain people in Hollywood, one being Kevin Spacey, who at the time he, in so many words, questioned the sexuality of Kevin Spacey. So he's just known like writing these kind of pieces and they were like, well, 
we need you to write this article on Mr. Rogers. And, you know, he thought he it was going to be like this kind of, I don't want to say attack piece, but you just kind of like rip, rip him apart. But no, instead he became his friend. And there's a lot of backstory stuff. So a lot of the actual backstory stuff in the movie is where there's a lot of fiction. I've, as far as what I've been told, too, is it's not actually just this author, Tom Janot, and it's not just his story. They mix it with a couple others, but there's a lot that's based off of um, a book and the article okay. that he wrote. I give it five out of five. I, there's things that I don't want to reveal about the movie because there's something that happens like early on, and it, it's not anything plot driven it's how they present the movie and it's something that i didn't think they were going to go this route they did and it was awesome and i i i did thoroughly enjoy it and you know when this movie comes out you know i'm i'm going to be buying it so i i highly recommend it it's a great great biopic okay well it's on my list then if it's not going to be a theater it's definitely going to be a download but i I'm not sure what the how it's doing financial wise, but uh, if it is, if it's still in the theater in the next couple of weeks, I think I want to check that out. It because I really like that documentary. I really like the documentary. It came out the same week as Frozen, and I think that's hurt it a little bit. Okay. But when we come around to award season, this might get a little bit more buzz because I think that's what they're what they're hoping on to. Where yeah, they're getting blown out of the water by fucking Frozen, but Frozen is going to be what it is. But instead, when, like I said, we get to like the Academy Awards and everything, like a lot more people will be giving it a look. So how is Tom Hanks in the movie? Do you still see Tom Hanks or does, do, you, do you get fully immersed by the fact that he's playing, that he is Mr. Rogers at this point? I've watched a lot of Mr. Rogers stuff. Um, I bought a lot of Mr. Rogers stuff. So like just his presence and everything, it's hard for me to say like anybody duplicates the, the physical features, but what he does capture is the essence and the, the heart of Mr. Rogers. Uh, one thing that I, that I remember too, uh, it, when you do get to watch this, there, there's a point in the movie where Mr. Rogers references the, um, taking a minute of your time and thinking about those who who loved you into loving and like people who inspired you within your life and you know made you who you are today and there's a couple cameos during the like that moment so i'm just gonna say it happens around there if you've watched the documentary you're gonna recognize the people shown so that's all i'll say too well that's on my list now that's great uh, thank you very much, Heavy. Okay, let's talk about one that we've all seen in the Montreal side, anyways, three of us. Terminator Dark Fate. It was released in theaters the 1st of November. Um, uh, let's start with Cart. Let's get your review first. Uh, there's a couple of really great action scenes and the Arnie thing. I'll let one of you spoil the Arnie thing. It was kind of funny. All in all, though, it wasn't a great movie overall, so it's only like a two out of five for me. Wow. Okay. I do not agree with you on that one. Uh, I'll, you know what? I'll throw to Phil first. Like, I want to get your thoughts before I All right. disagree. Um, as much as I am a Terminator sucker, uh, those the first two movies are still brilliant. I didn't mind what they did with this one. Honestly, like the premise and all that. You might have had spoilers on the internet, but it really changes what the franchise can be if they keep going, which they probably won't because it's bombed. The only thing that I find really unfortunate is that they didn't build on the new characters. It still relies too much on Sarah Connor and her quest and all that. But you have they introduce these new characters and they're potentially really interesting because yeah. they're the, essentially the new 
leader of the future and and all that stuff like they're they're being groomed for the future invasion and, and all that stuff but they don't expand on that like the main character herself you don't really know much about her or what motivates her or what makes her do the things that she does essentially like how does she grow and all that there's none of that in the movie which is really unfortunate and that's why i gave this uh a three out of three and a half out of five so you think they relied too much on the Linda Hamilton, Schwarzenegger, their kind of star power, their history with the film, and you don't think they flushed out Natalia Reyes's character or Mackenzie Davis, who plays kind of like the enhanced human anti-Terminator fighter? Or, I mean, Gabriel Luna is just a murderer. He's just a Terminator, so you don't need to really flush him out. But the other two, you find they didn't like, push them enough? It's sort of lacking, right? Because if you're going to use those uh, those characters, let's say, to build the franchise going forward, they're really not as interesting as your, your legacy characters. But is that because of the fact that it's been so long and they're kind of in, like in your brain and then trying to insert these new characters is seeing uh, your brain seeing it is just like wrong? And then that's why you're turning against it? Not really. Oh, had they just given her something something more to do or to think about besides like oh i have to avenge my dad and i'm mexican because that's what her character boils down to right yeah poor mexican yeah i mean but she's when confronted with the stuff that she's being like told and all that stuff she's really not reacting much to it like you just assume okay well that's what's going to happen and because in t2 John Connor goes through a lot, right? There's a there's a whole growing process where essentially it becomes like a father-son yeah. relationship. But you never get that out of the Sarah Connor and and this character. Yeah, it's you you got a lot of I found the chemistry was pretty decent between Grace and Sarah Connor, Mackenzie Davis mm-hmm. playing like the anti-terminator. They had really good chemistry, I found. Uh just yeah, just the fact that essentially they're borderline annoyed at each other yeah and yeah, that's females it. in the room like telling the other one to back off the save yeah but they don't give character. let's say oh i respect her because of that or because of something she did or whatever it's just essentially there's a flash forward and it shows what's her name mexican girl and natalia reyes i don't know what yeah. the name of the character yeah well exactly that's that's how bad that you don't remember that's the name true. of the character it it flashes forward and you see her being badass and and all that stuff but how what like how did you go from this point where she's essentially sarah connor from the first one to this super badass right there's no and then it's not explained at all and it's not explored at all in the movie essentially she's still the victim the sarah connor from the first one by the end of of this movie do you think they just looked like too long term and so they're like okay let's flush her in the other movies it does feel that way, where they were building yeah. towards... It, it felt like they were building towards a trilogy. And yeah, because of the poor results, it's not going to happen. But Yeah, it which is, is. I which think is it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I actually enjoyed this movie. I mean, I'd watched the previous two pretty recently, because my girlfriend had not seen them. So we just you know got back into the old school, and re- I really enjoyed, again, the second one. And it was nice to see Linda Hamilton reprise that badass character... And I really enjoyed the chemistry between her and Mackenzie Davis. I thought it was good. But now that you bring it up, I and of course, seeing Schwarzenegger too was cool. 
um, and seeing him being like a family man Terminator. That was interesting. Oh, I, I marked out when when they the reveal him in the cabin and he's watching football. I just <laughs> laughed. I laughed so it, hard. It was like, fun. And you know, yeah, like I like Gabriel Luna's powers as the, you know, the new Terminator, uh, what he could do and. Like, I just thought it was a nice throwback to see everybody together. And I just enjoyed it for a basic action movie. Uh, was it, tr- you know, trend setting and this and that? No, you're right. And the fact that they didn't hash out those other characters, I guess, you know, it's something I didn't even consider. And yeah, it's, it would hinder, you know, um, getting into this new or getting into that transition. And now because of the financial issues, uh, we're not going to see these any characters anymore, which I think is unfortunate, but it is what it is. The audience has spoken and, you know, I'm going to be the minority in giving this a four, but, you know, it is what it is. All right. That being said, it is still the best Terminator since T2. Oh, yeah. Agreed. And it was nice to see the old school uh, thing. For what it was, uh, I wasn't disappointed when I left the theater. You know, having said all that, maybe, yeah, it would probably wouldn't hurt you to wait for a download. But I don't, I don't even know if it's still in theaters at this point uh, as of recording on the 8th of December. Uh, okay, Phil, you have also seen Parasite. Why don't you go ahead? Yeah, so Parasite's a Korean movie. Uh, so I'm a bit biased because it is from my favorite Korean director, Bong Joon-ho, who did uh, Snowpiercer. Uh, he directed The Host. Uh, he did Mother, which is an excellent film if you haven't seen it. So this, the premise is that it's about this family of essentially poor, really low-level con artists. And they weasel their way into being and essentially living in a rich couple and their kid's house, right? But the story goes way beyond that. It's 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 part social commentary, it's part dark comedy, it's part thriller, because there's twists and turns in there that you don't expect to happen. And like everything that Bong Joon Ho does, it's really subtle, but it's really poignant about people's relationships and how just some people are just assholes and you just want them to to suffer. But then when it does happen, you're like, Oh, not in this way. Now I feel bad. So excellent movie. I came and went at the theater, but it's, I think it's getting Oscar buzz. So please check it out. If you can, I rate this a 4.5 out of five. Wow. Awesome. Thank you. Carp, uh, 21 bridges. Go for it. 21 Bridges is uh, Black Panther is trying to capture. Oh, no, sorry. The guy who played Black Panther, uh, he's uh, trying to hunt down some cop killers who uh, got in a situation where they were given a drug deal to find 30 keys of coke. And they walked into a 300 key situation, end up murdering cops. And uh, the storyline involves uh, the actions really fantastic. One character, when he shows up, you're like, oh, that's what's going to happen. So it gets predictable at one point from there. Uh, all in all, though, fantastic action. Good job by like the I mean, they're antagonists, but they're not antagonists at the same time. You really have to see the movie to understand where they're coming from. So all in all, though, uh, fantastic action. I-, I love the whole concept of it's like, oh, we got cut. We got cop killers out there. Let's shut down the island until like it's 1 a.m. We can shut down the island till like 5 a.m. And they have five out four hours, five hours to cap- capture the cop killers and crazy action all over the place. Good car crashes, like good jump action scenes uh all in all i give it a 3.5 out of 5 awesome okay my next one is queen and slim now this was um a movie premiere that my girlfriend won tickets to and i wasn't really sure what it was 
And so she's like, oh, do you want to go see it? And I'm like, okay, I'll check out the trailer. And I'm like, this looked interesting. So this is uh, starring Daniel Kaluuya, who also plays in Get Out. And he had a smaller part in Black Panther. He's a British actor. Didn't get, Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, Jodie Turner-Smith, this is her first starring role. I think she's been in like smaller stuff. But it's essentially kind of a modern day African-American Bonnie and Clyde. They're on a Tinder date. Uh, they get stopped by the cops. Uh, an altercation happens. The cop gets shot, and then they're kind of running away, trying to get to Costa Rica. And it's just their interactions with everybody and all that. And I don't want to give anything away because it's still pretty new. But I really enjoyed it. It was, as like I said, kind of modern day. Bonnie and Clyde, great love story. And um, just like thought-provoking and like emotionally provoking too. You know, people in the theater really getting into it. And there's it's one – I'll spoil one little part. They're on the run and they are caught in this like garage. They're hiding in this garage. And a black cop opens up the garage door and sees them. And so at that point you figure, okay, they're caught. That's it. And then previous scene he was kind of shit on by the white cop for, you know, other stuff. And then he just kind of waves the guys, let them go. And every person of color in the audience started to clap. And I just didn't think of like, to you know, didn't think to clap or react or whatever. I just thought it was an interesting thing that every person of color just kind of clapped and got into it. And maybe they related with the characters or related with situations in the movie. And oddly enough, uh, to this kind of free ticket premiere, every <laughs> white person in there, except for myself, looks like a weirdo. Like, I don't know who enters these contests or whatever. But, like, just all of them, seeing them walk into the theater, they were all just, like, quirky or weird or whatever. So, I don't know what's with white, like, weird white people entering movie contests. So, it was your people. Yeah. No, but, like, yeah, all the whites were fucking weirdos. I, I don't know why. So, so yeah, your people. Yeah, there you go. Yep. All, all yeah, intro- uh, introverts that never I get mean, out of the house. <laughs> I, I saw the trailers and I'm just like, oh, it's a social commentary on what's happening in the U.S. every single day. But that I liked that it was thought provoking. It was kind of it was a romantic uh, movie, a drama. Anyways, um, I don't know if it's worth going and seeing the theater if this is not your type of movie. But I thought it was interesting. Obviously great for the price. I didn't pay, but I still would have paid to go see it. So I give it a four. It was really good. Do we have any more? Jojo Rabbit, Carp. This is one you're pushing me to see. This is the best movie of the year. It's got comedic aspects. It's emotional. Uh, there's commentary about how, like, you know, Nazis were bad people, and like how fascism like can corrupt the brain of the brains of the young, and how the older adults are like realizing that this is bad. It's just it's very layered, and it's got the comedic twist with uh, the little kid's imaginary friend is Hitler, played by. Taiwa Watiki, <laughs> okay. famous, uh, the guy who did the last Thor movie and the upcoming Thor movie. He was also in uh, What We Do in the Shadows. He's hilarious as Hitler, as imaginary Hitler. Best movie of the year, like the little kid. He's like, oh, yeah, I heard you Jews have horns. And she's like, yeah, we do, but I'm not old enough to have a horn yet. Because <laughs> Scarlett Johansson is the mother of the, the little kid, and she's protecting a little Jewish girl during Nazi Germany. Fantastic movie, emotional at parts, super funny, five out of five. Phil, you've also seen this, correct? I've seen this. I also really like this. It's probably my top five of the year. Yeah, pretty much what Carp said. It's really, it's really funny. It's really touching. But at the same time, it's about how just basic misinformation can lead to terrible things happening. Uh, and also, 
we tend to forget that Scarlett Johansson is a fantastic actress. She plays the mother of, of Jojo, and the performance is so layered and subtle because there is just there's stuff going on. She's keeping stuff from Jojo, uh, but you don't realize until way later until it's like, ooh, uh, what it is. And she, so she's she's acting, acting, acting in front of a kid. And it's really impressive to see. So I give this a uh, yeah, 4.5 out of 5. Awesome. And your last one, The Lighthouse. So The Lighthouse is my art house movie of the year. Art house, capital A, and uh, whatever other letter you want. This is <laughs> from the director of The Witch. Uh, I don't know if you've seen The Witch. Uh, so Robert Egger. Previously, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was a, a tight, really almost classic horror movie where it's all about subtle things happening and, and, and the twist ending. This one is really, it's less, I guess it was sold as a horror film, but it's really not a horror film, even though it has that, it has that constant odd mood, like almost of a, like a David Lynch movie where you're not sure what's real and what's not. Uh, so essentially the premise is that it's future Batman and green goblin are in this lighthouse and their job is to, well, man the lighthouse and turn on the light at night. And as the story goes along, well, they get more and more drunk together and they start fighting and, and they tell each other stories, but you don't know if they're telling the truth. There's a whole element like related to mythology and all that. It goes like places where it, it's just nuts, right? It, the movie just at the end, you're just not sure what is real and what the hell is going on anymore. Oh, wow. And it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, if you if you ever went to film school, I call this the ultimate student film because <laughs> okay. it takes it takes everything that you learn in film school, like the techniques, the editing, the framing, and all that stuff, and it applies it in a way that's like it's masterful. It, and it's it, I think this every school in the world is gonna buy this Blu-ray and teach it in class from <laughs> yeah, this point on. It, yeah, how to do it? Because yeah. is it is yeah. it basically the new Shane Dandalou for a film student? No, Shane Dalou is is purely uh, what was it called like Dadaism? Uh, just just yeah. pure nuts. Like you're you're essentially you take uh, drugs drugs and 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 you you make something out of it, right? And you put and you try to put symbolism afterwards. No, this one is full on construction. He Robert Eggert knows exactly what he's doing. Like it's about toxic men and the relationship of like oh well, sometimes future, future Batman is. Uh, under a certain spell of of Green Goblin, so it, it's he's framing them differently. There's more light on one character, and the and then the power shifts. So there's a way where you know if you if you know film language exactly what's going on, but if you not, you still get it. But it's okay. it's really 101 application of stuff that they teach. Like if you buy like a film school book, <laughs> awesome. this is this is it. All right, yeah. thanks, Phil. I think that's uh, it. I didn't get. I didn't give my oh, rating. Oh, what's your rating? Sorry. Yeah, so I give this a four out of five. It's got to be talked about at the Oscars for sure. Wow, cool. All right, thanks, Phil. I think that's it for the reviews. Correct. Anything else? Did I miss anything? All right, let's get on to movies coming out in December. Uh, we'll go December to January, starting Very with April to May to June. <laughs> I was just waiting for it. I'm like, cue that. Cue the comment. <laughs> okay, here we go. December 13th, Jumanji, the next level. Uh, yay or nay and some thoughts. Heavy set. What do you think? Nay. What was that? That was a, a nay. I say yay. Uh, Carp's right. It's a yay. I like the first one. And I love Karen Gillian. So 
And the Rock and Kevin Hart. Are I mean, it's great a mat- It's just a fucking cash grab. That doesn't mean I don't want to see it. But what, a lot of what new? I mean, what what's going to be so great about it except for Danny school. Glover and? Old school. A lot of movies are cash grabs. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that. I'm playing. Shh, don't dude, tell I'm, him that. I'm play, I'm playing devil's advocate here. What's the movie business? What? What's? How do you, how do you edit a podcast? <laughs> I'm I'm playing the devil's advocate, guys. <laughs> All right, Phil. Uh, that's a name for me. Uh, I like. The original Jumanji, but I didn't get. They're fun movies, it but fun. it's not something I'll. Yeah, exactly. But it's not something I'll see in theaters. I thought it was fun too, the remake. And uh, Kevin Hart and The Rock are great together. I just don't see the point to see that. It's it's like seeing Rush Hour 15. I, there's no fucking point. Uh, not from- not technically a remake because they did pay some sort of tribute and homage. I mean, they, they referenced Alan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, See, there's this thing happening in movies now where sequels are like 20, 30 years apart. You have to be a condescending asshole so, every time you respond to me. Yeah, um, sort of reboot sequel. It's, yeah, it's sort of a trend going on right now. A, I think it's a requel, it's called. A requel. Something like that. A requel. Are you in? Some or weird ass word. Uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle just got on Netflix, and the same thing's going to happen. I'm going to wait till this is on Netflix. Okay. So there's wide releases of Richard Jewell, Black Christmas, and Bombshell. I don't know if you guys want to discuss. So Black Christmas is a remake of a remake. And this is like about female empowerment, which completely defeats the purpose of what the original Black Christmas was. So the fact that they made, they should not call this Black Christmas. And uh, the company that bought the rights to name it this, they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> wow, okay. Oh. There's, uh... there's no, there, at least the original remake held on to some aspect of the original storyline back from the first Black Christmas, which was a Canadian movie, by the way. And just this is like, oh, the the bad college guys are murdering the... No, it looks fucking terrible. I hope it makes a dollar at most. So if uh, Carp gets caught as an incel, please... Just cut that clip. clip No, I'm not as passionate about the Joker as some other people are. All right. Oh, it's true. You didn't get to review Joker. Yeah, we reviewed it last episode. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I, I, love, I fucking loved it. Okay. Um, I thought Old School reviewed it last episode. I did. Uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker on the 20th. Skywalker? Skywalker. I wasn't. Did we do Black Christmas or what's going on? Oh, no, that was about last month. Never mind. It's been so long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, heavy set. What is it? Uh, nay. And it's it's Justin, but uh, it is a well. It's the reluctant yay for me. Only like I'm gonna go see it, but like it's also gonna be yay for me when it's over. <laughs> okay, Phil. I'm a yay. I'm a late yay because it was a nay for a long time, only because it looks like a complete disaster. <laughs> okay. If you read if you read all the news and and watch all the trailers that have been coming out, it looks like. A disaster, especially compared to the masterpiece that is, well, unless they don't stick their landing, uh, the Mandalorian. That is, that is Star Wars. Whatever they're showing on on for Rise of Skywalker, that is not Star Wars. I don't know what that is. So, but yeah. it's JJ trying to salvage whatever is left of that franchise after their whole Ryan Johnson disaster. Yeah, I'm a yay. Do you think it's gonna lose money? They're predicting lower. Uh, their predictions are are down. Yeah. They're not, they're, their forecast is not like as huge as they wanted it to be. Well, just because they're saturating the market right now. It just doesn't look good. It's yeah. still, 
I don't know. It's some fundamentally they don't understand what it's, Star Wars is. Star Wars has been beaten to death, and I think that's a huge thing. And yeah. there's a lot that's tied in with the franchise, where everything just has to come from the whole Skywalker legacy. So they're trying, like with the Mandalorian, which I don't, I'm not watching that shit. But I can tell that they're trying to explore that galaxy, no pun intended, in that universe. As in, like, okay, let's create something else. It doesn't necessarily have to line up with what's going on here. But people love the characters, and people love a lot of stuff about Star Wars. And this be will definitely be, and they've advertised like this is the end. So there's, I think it's going to do a little bit better because I think Solo put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth on top of Last Jedi coming out so close to it. Now there's been a little bit of a breather. Mandalorians come out, and I think there's people now that are like who were soured before, are like starting to warm up, and then realizing this is the end. They, they're going to want to say goodbye to all their favorite characters one last time. Carp. Uh, yeah, opening day. Uh, like like I've said, it's it's one family's fucking squabble this entire thing, and it's finally going to end. But I'm a Star Wars guy. Uh, I know you Star Trek people are a little different, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, as we said uh, last ABI, I'm all about the Wookiees. Yeah, there you go. Uh, animated movie on the 20th, Spies in Disguise, Will Smith, Tom Holland starring. That's the 25th, you said, right? 20th. Uh, are you sure? Cinema Montreal has it as the 25th. Well, uh, The American, which is the real thing, oh. is the 20th. Oh. But you're failing to mention oh, one sorry, of the no, 20th. You're that... My apologies, 25th. Oh, imagine that. Um, there is a thing that looks like something out of my nightmares on the 20th as well. That's supposed oh, to yes. with Star Wars. Yes. Uh, that, yeah. I, I might do a double feature. What, cats? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yo, that shit looks like nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> I, Have I you it, seen the trailer? I, I think it racks up for Screw the Lighthouse. This is going to be the number one top horror movie of the year. A tribe of cats called the Jellicles must decide yearly. Watch, watch the trailer. Okay. And you'll see what we're talking about. That what is, is, it, a like, thing is it like the birds kind of thing? Watch the trailer. All right. <laughs> 90, what was the budget? Did I see 95 million? Yes. Yeah. What? It's yeah. based on a musical. It's based on the Cats musical, but yeah. it looks like a thing of nightmares. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Wow. Avatar for cats. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, 25th Spies in the Skies. Carp. No. Kevy, yes. <laughs> no. Really? Really? It's a no. Okay. Uh, Phil, no. No. Okay. Um, and that would end December. Let's do a bit in January. I uh, Just in case. And, I and, see. And all the way to March. I don't know if it's official, just but I see limited cities for 1917. Okay. Oh, yeah. when is that coming out? Because that's, uh, that's another Oscar bait. Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, he's so like, it has to come out before the end role, of the year. It. I want to see 1917 if it's out on Christmas. This will probably be my Christmas movie. Two young British privates during the First World War are given an impossible mission. Deliver a message deep in enemy territory that will stop 1,600 men and one of the soldier's brothers from walking straight into a deadly trap. Okay. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Except for, yeah, January, we've got The Grudge, a horror mystery. It's a remake of an uh, Asian remake. Oh. Okay. Yeah, but this one's got John Cho, so I might go see it. A heavy? I got to ask you for horror stuff now because you, I mean, I know you're not a horror guy, but I know the girlfriend's more of a horror fan. So. The, the fiance. Oh, I guess. True. Uh, we can actually talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> as of right now, that's, it's a nay, but it's, I think it's because we're not as close to that, but we are also a yay for cats, uh, her more than me. And 
since it really wasn't asked every to everybody a black christmas yeah that is a yay for me too oh cool okay i'm actually trying to find both versions on dvd or blu-ray to watch them before we go see it like i've i saw the remake in theaters i never even seen the original which to counter what carp said i've heard a lot of people actually say there's a lot of uh, a little more feminism in the original compared to what people are saying all right that's going to be us for January, uh, sorry, December, a little bit of beginning of January there. Uh, January, we'll be doing our year-end special, talking about our top five for 2019. Uh, let's close the show. Phil, start with plugs. You need to eat? Uh, I still need to eat, so uh, please uh, support Spearhead Games, buy Stories, The Path of Destinies, Omen Sight, and Wishlist Project Witchstone on Steam. Uh, help us a lot. And also check out all beer inside's new. Well, it won't be new by the time this That'll episode be a comes year out. Old, yeah, <laughs> yeah it'll, it'll probably be fifty you know, episodes I by just, that point. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna edit this, and you're getting it Tuesday <laughs> just to fucking <laughs> shove it right down your fucking throat. Getting right. it Tuesday. And by Tuesday, okay. he means January thirty fourth. He's gonna he's gonna put. A, I want to hear that you're gonna put it out on December tenth, December tenth, twenty nineteen. Done. Yeah. Contract verbal contract no, no, done. No, I, you need to say, actually, hold on. <laughs> you know, I, I edit this, up. right? I can just cut this out. Oh, no, oh, he's recording it. Fucker. <laughs> not, not yet. I'm, I'm uh, waiting for it to, to boot up because I'm. <laughs> what are you, Windows 98? What the fuck? No, my computer, my laptop is like five years old. And oh, okay. it's like, oh, you don't remember how long it took me to get on the phone call? Trust me, that's not me. That's the fucking laptop. Yeah, it's getting done. Don't worry. That's all I need to know. <laughs> hold on. Uh, now say it. I, I, I want to hear. <laughs> I don't need to repeat myself. It's good. Say it's going to come out. Actually, you never even said it. Say it's going to come out December tenth, twenty nineteen. This episode. That this we're episode will come out December tenth, twenty nineteen. Okay. Stay up all good? night, and not go to work tomorrow because it's going to be <laughs> so tired. Yeah. Oh no, December tenth. December tenth. I said December tenth, right? Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. We're good. Uh, Carp. All beer inside on everywhere. Uh, so allbeerinside.com is where you can get all the audio stuff on the YouTube channel, All Beer Inside. You can see my first three interviews, and by the time this is out, at least the fourth interview, which is a change from a brewery interview, uh, because I went on vacation and I didn't advise my uh, partner in crime in YouTube, uh, for our YouTube stuff to contact other breweries. That's, my, that's on me. Uh, as well, allbeerinside.com. Click on the Amazon link on the side of the page, which really helps me out. Heavy set, wrestling cheers. Yes, uh, Wrestling Cheers, you know, my big endeavor. As of right now, if this does come out on December 10th, 2019, uh, we <laughs> will be just about to start IWTV month. That's independentwrestling.tv month. I have interviews already recorded. I just have to edit them very quickly. And I have to do the intros and outros and stuff. But I'm having on two VJs from there, uh, Stepstool Sarah and Jay Rose the tomorrow of this recording and then yesterday quote unquote of when this is coming out i released an interview with colin delaney and i'm um, throwing it out here be the first place anybody's going to hear about it i i have one of my first interviews actually my two first interviews done for 2020 that will be released one of them being one of my favorites veda scott oh i'm looking forward to that let me know when that's out because i saw she did like a video interview i forget who it was with but it's on youtube and she talked about she's a lawyer right was it a lawyer or a dentist? That's Britt Baker. <laughs> Britt Baker's a yeah. dentist. She she is a lawyer. Um, if you're talking about one video interview, the uh, documentary by Ke uh, Ken Johnson that I recommended 
for a while to everybody. But uh, she's actually traveling the world now to where she doesn't have to do that. Good that's something her. we kind of that's talk awesome. to. But we that's talk like a lot totally about living your dream. Because she's, yeah. she's not like a trained – she doesn't have like a given athletic talent. She's learned it the hard way, right? And she was like a born athlete from what I remember in the interview. And you know she's going to be a lawyer. And she's like, nah, I'm going to go pro wrestle and get busted open and fucking like, – yeah. that's cool. He's follow your dream, really. That's the definition of it. And one question about your audio podcast, because I remember you, you um, interviewed the Montreal guy, and then you had the Spider Monkey on? Space Monkey. Space He's Monkey. Also- Sorry. Spider Monkey. Spider Monkey, yeah. Space Monkey. <laughs> he, is, he is from Hamilton. Okay. Does he ever do interviews out of character? Because I, no. I, I found it annoying. Th- that's the reason why he only got a fave five questions. I've, I've been breaking the fourth wall. Break the fourth wall. Break the fourth wall. Um <laughs> I actually, I've had conversations with him. I know his real name and all that kind of stuff, but he wants to keep the gimmick. Okay. And I, it's, it's, it's very similar to Sami Zayn and El Generico. He, he did the most part. And if anybody tries to say they're not the same person, they broke that kayfabe so many times. It's not even <laughs> funny. Yeah. Let's not pay attention to the times that they didn't. They did so many times. And, and you know what though, to respect to him uh, in this day and age to be able to keep the gimmick. I just like, for a backstage thing to have him do that, I just thought it was, I don't know. Like I said, that's why we didn't do yeah, a full interview. Because I don't know how much I could have squeezed out of the character. But I'm like, okay, I can definitely do Fave 5 questions. Yeah, I can yeah. have it. It was either going to be a bonus episode or I actually just thought, I'm like, well, I'm just going to combine it with the Danhausen one. There you go. The Montreal guy, Danhausen. Love that Danhausen. No, it was a good interview. I, I enjoyed that whole episode. It was great. All right, so for Heavy Set, Phil is back. And uh, Carp, this is Old School saying thank you very much for listening. What are you doing here in Somerville anyway? Honestly, my mom won't say it, but we're completely broke. And the only thing that's left in our name is this creepy old farmhouse our grandfather left us in the middle of nowhere. Why'd you bring me up here? Entertainment value. (laughs) What is that? I don't know. Somehow, a town that isn't anywhere near a tectonic plate, that has no fault lines, no fracking, no loud music even, is shaking on a daily basis. Under the dining table now! Hey, remember that one summer we died under a table? I found this in my living room. Whoa, killer replica. A replica of what? A ghost trap? There hasn't been a ghost sighting in 30 years. New York in the 80s, it's like The Walking Dead. Your dad never mentioned this to you? It's just my mom. My grandfather died. My mom says we're just here to pick through the rubble of his life. Wait a minute. Who are you? Call it faith. Call it luck. Call it karma. That everything happens for a reason. 
Come on, darling. It has a gunner seat? just 24 hours and I'm probably even sounding better than I did earlier on this episode but I decided I would give my reaction to the Ghostbusters trailer that you just heard and I I really wish I would have done a live reaction type thing it's something that I, I need to start doing for trailers that I'm really excited for so I can give my honest opinion I can get my honest reaction out there on the internet but uh let's 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 go into this I'm pumped I am absolutely pumped for this movie could could i be just buying into the nostalgia that is the ghostbusters and th they're definitely trying to get me in in the feels as it were in the feelings about egon spangler and how i feel with the ghostbusters nostalgia maybe just maybe but the thing that i love about this trailer first off it doesn't seem like a ghostbusters trailer they're setting it up differently and i think that's what a lot of people were expecting they were expecting like the ghostbusters theme and all all this kind of stuff but you know there were a lot of critiques from the 2016 movie and i think they're trying not to make those mistakes so we start off not really getting into ghostbusters kind of getting you a little bit more of what's going on with the family and then we quickly learn that there is Something strange going on in this little town of Somerville. I'm really pretty fan of that name of that town, Somerville. I'm Justin Summers. So that kind of took me a couple of viewings to like click. I'm like, oh yeah, that's kind of kind of cool for me. But you know, they're in the small town in Oklahoma, and basically, you know, ghosts just start coming out of nowhere, much like they did in the original movie, and in the smaller town, maybe you know the remnants of the Ghostbusters isn't such a big deal. And also with two generations past that of uh, Egon's family with, you know, his grandchildren, they, they don't know that much about him. And hopefully they, they do explain more of what that history is and what happened to him. But we, we get that. We get the daughter who is played by, we, we talked about earlier on the episode. I'm not going to actually get into that. I don't, I don't have her name memorized, but, you know, she discovers all these things that that pertain to the Ghostbusters. Takes them into what I'm guessing is probably their teacher, Paul Rudd, and you know he recognizes it from a, from a kid, but you know they don't. And then you get into the second half of the trailer. That's just nostalgia overload. There's going to be callbacks. There's they're go it looks like they're going to be referencing a lot of other stuff or paying homage to things in the cartoon, things that were in the toy line. Um, you know, there's a lot of critique about the Ecto-1. Oh, the ladder's on the wrong side. And that's the one thing when it comes to, like, fandoms. They get really, really picky. and like, oh, that's not perfect. And, like, obviously, it since the timeline of the original movie, we're, like, close to 30 years. I mean, the first two. So, you know, things happened within those times. So maybe Egon changed some things. Maybe Dan Aykroyd or uh, Ray changed some things. Who knows? So hopefully it's things that they explain, but at the same time, they don't necessarily have to because things change in, in these types of timelines. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped for this. Truly, truly pumped for it. It's, you know, coming out the beginning of July. And 
you know, I'm trying to figure out the competition that they're going to have. I mean, right now, many, many things can change. And when it comes to movies, because we do have summer blockbusters. And as of right now, when it comes to that particular time frame, the only thing coming out close to it, end of June is Top Gun Maverick. On IMDb, it says it comes out July 10th, but I thought on the trailer that I watched, it said July 2nd, so that could have got moved up. The movie, only movie coming out that week is a Ryan Reynolds movie called Free Guy that there's a trailer for, but I have I have yet to watch it. Um, other than that, on the 17th right now, there's a movie called Trent, which doesn't have a, a lot going on about it. So right now, that could very well be a big movie. For the beginning of July, we have beginning of May will be Black Widow and then uh, another big movie. There's going to be a weekend with Fast and the Furious 9 along with SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. June 5th is going to be Wonder Woman 1984, Top Gun Maverick, July 26th, early July at least, either 2nd or 10th for Ghostbusters. I I wouldn't be surprised if it is going to be... On July 2nd, so they have it coming out right before the 4th of July holiday, so more people are going out to the movies and, and going to go check that out. After that, July 24th, Jungle Cruise, you know, Disney movie about the ride, and um, August 21st, Bill and Ted face the music, so that's like some of the bigger movies that I can, I can recognize, but there are still plenty of time for other movies to seep in there, but those are going to be some of the bigger ones to look out for next summer but you know as a whole i'm really pumped i think we got a do-over from the the ghostbusters fandom and i know you know the thing that kind of annoys me is the, the how people are divided on the female movie if you go back in the archives you can hear my take on it and you know at first i was against it but then you know i became more for it there's a lot good with that movie and i think paul paul feig is like one of the reasons why that movie was horrible you take him out Put in a new writer, new director, but keep that cast. Keep the all-female cast, and I think it could have been so, so much better. Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones stole the show for at least me, and I, I actually fell in love with Leslie Jones as an actress, and I found actually found her funny after that because I was not a Leslie Jones fan going into it. So now we have this one with the kids, and you know I've already heard some complaints of people saying, oh, it's... It's a kid's movie with kids. That's all it's going to be. That's all they're going to aim it towards, which the only thing I can say is I was a little kid watching Ghostbusters. Granted, should I have been? Probably not. But still, like, it was kind of targeted towards towards me. Little sexual jokes here and there, but that's kind of how movies were back then. So I'm just going on, on rambling, and uh, basically, I love it. Uh, I cried the first two times I've watched it. I've watched it about four or five times now already. By the time this comes out, I'll probably watch it a bunch more. Pumped. Absolutely pumped. So, I'm just gonna end this with, if there's something strange in the neighborhood, who are you gonna call? <laughs>